Welcome to the Hanging Banners Podcast with your host, Tyler Witt. Jack Coachman. And here he is, having the time of his life. And Ryan Sartori. Maybe short, but he's thick. <laughs> that's, that's thick with two C's. It's episode six. You're back. We're back. Ryan Sartori. That's Ty- that's Tyler Witt. That's Chad Coachman. We're ready to roll after uh, another exciting week of NFL football. We've got MLB's divisional round mostly behind us. We're recording this on Monday when the Guardians and the Yankees are set for a decisive game five. I have to emphasize Guardians because for whatever reason, Bob Costas finds it so necessary to say Indians the entire broadcast. <laughs> It's not uh, like that guy gets paid to know at minimum the names of the 30 teams who he's going to watch play. It, we'll we'll get into Bob Costas a little bit more. I've got I've got some I've got a bone to pick with uh with the Hall of Fame broadcaster himself. But gentlemen, good to have you back. Recording before Monday Night Football yet, so we have not yet gouged our eyes out after watching a the Denver Broncos Russell Wilson led team. Yeah, we'll see how uh, nobody nobody necessarily needs to know how we're all feeling afterwards, but uh, that might come up later in the show as well. It, it, it very well might. Yeah, there we go. A lot of tension among Russell Wilson going around this time of year. So, Oh, oh 100%. Now, Tyler, I know that you had uh, your opportunity this past week, and I just feel like we need to get kind of caught up with it. You don't have to go into great detail, but just tell us what it was like to be on a professional sideline. Uh, it was very cool. Um, just kind of taking everything in, um, running out of the tunnel. Uh, it's a little different than college. Just, um, you just cause you know, you, you kind of work your whole life to, to get to a place like this. So, um, it was very exciting, very, uh, nerve wracking for the first time I would say, but, um, you know, it was an overall, I had a good time, good experience. Well, I've got kind of a wild, like out of left field question. Tyler, where are you originally from? I am from Juliet, Illinois. <laughs> All right. I could be just like in the prisoner of the moment. Like we're talking, oh, you know, he's got the Winnipeg hat on. We're talking about his football. Sartori, am I wrong? Does he sound a little bit more Canadian now? I, I'm hearing like a little uptick. <laughs> that you, you know yeah. is so like northern Minnesota, northern Wisconsin, Canada. I was like, wait a second, Tyler, you... You one game in, you're Canadian now. <laughs> it's so funny. I was walking out of the, the locker room today for, after watching film and uh, doing our rundown, and s- some of the American guys stopped and said, you look awfully Canadian today. I had <laughs> this hoodie, a pair of sweatpants. I had a pair of boots on, and I had my, like, trapper hat. So it was like the the winter hat with the this flaps. Yep. It's my favorite hat of all time, but they, he's like, man, you, you look more Canadian than ever today. So. Oh, we lost the him. transition. <laughs> yeah. I know the transition is happening. He's slowly <laughs> turning more and more uh, polite. He's, he's uh, enjoying poutine fries more and more every time <laughs> that he, <laughs> that he indulges. Uh, but yeah, Tyler, you gotta, you gotta keep that in check, man. You gotta keep it in check. I know you, you want to stay up there in Canada, but. Remember your roots, long A's and O's. Okay. <laughs> For sure. For all right. Sure. All right. 
Uh, before we jump into the show head first, let me also remind you that you can find the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at Hanging Banners. You see that scrolling along the bottom of your screen. You can also follow the podcast on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. If you follow us on Instagram, you will also be able to uh, subscribe to notifications for when Jack and I go live with a Sunday show that we do at 1030 Central Time every Sunday, running down fantasy advice. And we also do some uh, pick em lines as well. Uh, with that, gentlemen, let's jump right into the show. It's count your wins. Jack Coachman, I'd like you to lead us. Yeah, so I think it gets lost sometimes, especially me of all people. My entire football fanhood since I was, you know, preteen, kid, whatever. Uh, almost all of it has also included fantasy football and sports betting and other things going on to keep the game even more interesting, picking the games, things like that. Preteen uh, yeah, coachman with the betting. I love it. <laughs> look, man, it, this is statute of limitations. Whatever I did then, it's okay now, right? The league um, is opening an investigation into Jack Coachman. <laughs> but I had the pleasure yesterday of looking at what continues to be a horribly balanced NFL schedule, and they'll put, what, 12 games on at noon, and then you have, like, two at 3 o'clock. Obviously, that's a bit of an exaggeration, but the 3 o'clock window, at least 3 o'clock central time, rolled around, and it was uh, Seahawks-Cardinals, it was Panthers Rams, which I really wasn't interested in. Mm. And it was Bill's Chiefs, which is if you go into the season and you asked me what game would you like to see most that didn't involve the Saints, of course, uh, Bill's Chiefs has got to be up there based on where we left off last year in the playoffs. The whole Allen Mahomes developed rivalry where they don't really dislike each other that as far as we know, but these teams just have followed a similar trajectory. And for the first time in a long time, I felt the need to turn off red zone. And I think it's tough for an NFL game because of how whip quick coverage is, and you'll get your alerts from your different apps and Twitter. People are talking about everything as it happens. It's tough to keep up with everything all at once. If you're not on red zone. Uh, so deciding, you know what, there's only two other games on. I don't really want to watch them. I switched to bills chiefs, which was an awesome game. It was close the whole time. You had this feeling that something big was going to happen at some point. And it did pay off a couple times. I'm going to say that was my win this week. Bill's Chiefs brought me back to uh, enjoying one football game during the red zone hours. Well, right. And it's the fact of enjoying one football game during the red zone hours, right? Because you can watch the Saints. I can watch the Bears and not necessarily enjoy my time whatsoever. But to singularly sit down and watch Bill's Chiefs, I think was a ton of fun. Uh, I think in terms of uh competition and comprehensive just overall knowledgeable football being played that was probably through six weeks of football the single best game we've seen played uh and was very very fun to watch i think the best play of the game i call josh allen a goon for this is when he's rushing for a first down and decides as a quarterback not just any quarterback but a top five top three quarterback in the nfl decides to hurdle a defender putting his body on the line in ways that uh, NFL executives, head coaches, offensive coordinators everywhere look at and say, Oh no, Oh no. And then when it's, you know, converted and looks flashy and cool, everybody goes, oh, okay, yeah, that was pretty cool. But like that was probably the coolest play of the game was Josh Allen going goon mode. Yeah. And it's, it's the chiefs. Something about seeing the chiefs. He did that last year too. He hurdled over a chiefs guy. So I don't know what it is about that matchup. 
but it gets everyone fired up because they know that they're really, if you ask me right now, like, oh, who's the top tier of NFL teams? It's Bills, Chiefs, and then it's a gap before the next team. So it was cool to see that game. And uh, obviously, I'm going to go right back to red zone next week. And I do yeah. really like the red zone format. But every now and then you get that super rare game and the other games are not interesting. And they're like, I'm just going to sit and watch this football game like they used to do in the uh, pioneering days in the pilgrim days. <laughs> it's it, the octo box though, is like that <laughs> meme of the Pope when he's like holding up <laughs> a thing. I love watching like the octo box at the very beginning, Tyler, uh, as a, uh, you know, an offensive lineman, we we've asked a, a similar style question to this on the show already, but like when you look at quarterbacks like Mahomes and Allen, who are phenomenal in the pocket and, and doing what they do as traditional pass throwers, but they're also really good at getting out of the pocket. Have you played with anybody like that? And if so, like what's it like as a lineman to watch a play develop where you're watching your quarterback run around and possibly hurdle somebody? Um, I wouldn't say I've had, a, a guy really like that that I've played closely with, but I, I think a good example of it is on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers quarterback Zach Kalaros. Um, he's basically like Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady of the CFL. He is insane, and the way he he can sit in the pocket and he can gash it downfield, but he can also roll out. And he's arguably more dangerous when he when he's out of the pocket running around. Um, but but when that happens, it's just it makes your job as a offensive lineman that much easier because you know you can protect them but if should something happen you know your quarterback has the ability to get away make plays extend plays downfield and i mean it just makes for more explosive offense um you know one less thing you really have to worry about you know if you, you have his back all this time you know the one time you may need him to have your back he's got you now, does that make it having a guy who can throw from the pocket but also can extend plays like the quarterbacks we've mentioned, is that easier to block for than, say, a Lamar, Justin Fields, Jalen Hurts, where they're almost conditioned to run first? Um, I think it, if you get a quarterback that's more of a run first, it's kind of harder, I think. Uh, running as a, like a last resort is a little bit different. Um, quarterbacks like uh, Lamar, or um, yeah, like Lamar rolling out like right away. Um, you, you know, you, you think that you're you're okay in pass protection, but then he sees a hole that you know you don't see because you're face to face with a defensive lineman. Sure. So it's, it kind of gets difficult in that aspect where you don't really know what he sees. So you might end up blocking your guy into him. Like it could be a big play, but you like you said, you don't have eyes in the back of your head, so you can't really see. It's interesting. I, I love just, you know, talking football with you, right? And hearing um, from an X's and O's standpoint, what it looks like for the guys who make plays happen like yourself. So that's always fun. Tyler, I'll ask you to continue on your, uh, your, your rant here, so to speak, uh, with your win of the week. Uh, so just kind of along the same lines was uh, my trip to BC. We went to, we, we played the BC Lions, which is, in Vancouver, Canada. So my first time really outside of Winnipeg in Canada. Um, and it was absolutely stunning. It was just beautiful. We walked down to the Bay area um, with, with all the, they have like the seaplanes that fly in and fly out. Um, and it's like the perfect combination of like an urban area and nature. And it's, it's insane. There were so many beautiful green spaces, there were, you know, beautiful buildings, beautiful 
um, architecture in the city. It was a very clean city. Um, it was, it was just very beautiful, uh, picturesque walking around, um, you know, just he is becoming more and more Canadian, isn't he? <laughs> doesn't matter if it's in the middle of the country or all the way on the west coast by the pacific no i've heard vancouver is really cool i think that's a um it's like the biggest city by for a wide stretch as you go east in canada right like there's not much in between mm-hmm. that and sort of that central time zone if i recall correct yeah i, th- I think it's pretty much just like vancouver the out there. or something right mm-hmm. i think it might be it, I, I don't know my geography for uh, canada very well but what i what i do think it's vancouver over by seattle then maybe calgary Calgary's in between the north. two no calgary's north. north okay no it's like what do you got you've got british columbia and then you've got i'm trying to remember it's like saskatchewan is somewhere in there it's uh, saskatchewan's newfoundland close that, yeah, there's one other one between, huh? I don't know. The problem on risk is that they just divide it into like the three or four things that doesn't help us too much, but uh, yeah, no, I've heard Vancouver is a really cool place and that Pacific Northwest area in the U S kind of includes that section, but I don't hear too many U S cities uh, referred to as great green spaces and very clean. So that's one perk. Yeah. yeah it, it sounds like a massive juxtaposition. I mean, I'm biased because I think Chicago is like one of the most beautiful cities it is. and it's, it is, it, but I, I think the way that there's, cause it's different, it's not Chicago, but in its own way, it's like, it's beautiful. And the, the way they were able to combine that and man, I, and I also had a lot of great food. So that was also a huge plus, um, a lot of Shout great, out to steak. yeah, great, uh, great sushi. We had a great, we went to a great restaurant for dinner. Um, we went to like a chop house. So it was fantastic. That's awesome. That, that, that's awesome. I mean, and that's one of the perks of, of being uh, in professional sports, right? Is being able to travel, seeing new places, stuff like that. That's certainly one of the reasons that I'm uh, sort of lured into uh, the, the field that I'm in. And uh, yeah, that's awesome. Getting, getting, be, being able to see some great green spaces. Uh, I'll, I'll count my win this week for Saturday, just Saturday in general in the world of sports was a phenomenal day. I started my day off by calling a football game. And then I was treated on the way home to the finale of, of, of Philly's Braves. I listened to that on the radio. Always cool to hear the local guys call those games and big moments. Uh, the Phillies going to the NLCS for the first time since 2009, which is, uh, which is awesome. But, you know, just listening to those broadcasters, hearing how nervous they were, hearing the actual sound of joy in their voice when they were saying, like, the Phillies have won. They're going to the NLCS. Like, that's always cool for me. And it's a cool way for me to learn about what I do. Um, and then I get home. I'm able to catch the end of Alabama, Tennessee, which was incredible. A great game. Jack, I, I know you don't like college football, but even you can admit that was a fun game to watch. Yeah, I unfortunately didn't get to see most of what happened. I had decided, oh, you know, I'm going to go for a walk. It's a nice oh. fall weather day. And I uh, I had gotten back from the walk and just saw what had happened in the last like 90 seconds of that game. So I missed the conclusion. But no, that was that was supposed to be a, a pretty classic one. And spoiler alert, if you didn't hear, Alabama lost, and that always makes me smile a bit. Uh, it, uh, Alabama loses, America wins. That's mm-hmm. that's typically the motto there. Then we get ca- we get uh, caught in the Astros Mariners marathon and the 18 innings that was in order to decide who would win that game. Uh, on top of that, the Guardians walk it off. The Padres have a five-run seventh inning to take the Dodgers out of the playoffs. 
all of this, and I went two for four in my parlays on Saturday as well, is in all, it was a, a great, great day for sports. And it's one of those ones where, like, even if you sat on the couch all day to watch sports, you feel pretty fulfilled with your decision making to have just sat there and consumed all of that greatness. Yeah, it's live cultural moments, right? It's so hard to capture those unless it's some major award show or gala with a bunch of like celebrities and A-listers. It's hard to be personally involved in some momentous occasion. But when you get a run of sports occurrences like that, they're like, oh, this is this is a lot of people's history or their brief recent history happening on one day. And I got to watch it all happen. Well, and even like people will shrug off like Alabama, Tennessee. Maybe people don't watch it as closely. This is one of the biggest matchups of the year every year. And Tennessee had not won in 15 years or something like that. And they are playing at home. And of course, the fans are going to be absolutely raucous. And it was bedlam there, especially after they won RIP to the field goal posts. And they now rest graciously in the river uh, in Knoxville like that. It's just it was just. Just all in all a great day. And one of the other things that I'll say about like these momentous occasions um, is that when you are, are watching them and also keeping up with them on Twitter, that that to me is a great experience as well, even though like, you know, I'm in the. I'm encapsulated in, in just my, my living room. I'm still like living this moment with so many other people on Twitter. And like, while I'm not a huge social media guy per se i i just i love being a part of that on twitter it's one of those unique experiences as a sports fan yeah we don't have a lot of people at least uh, my generation friends my age who are like oh there's a big baseball game on or oh there's a big football game on let's go to whatever sports bar we can find and they'll have it on tv like no this is our sports bar this is our water cooler this is how you say oh look what happened it's like i know dude i saw that too yeah, it, it's always great. Anyway, let's move on. Intercepted at the goal line. Let's break up this sports talk just a bit. Uh, and Tyler, tell me how cold it is in Canada. Yeah, so for the very first time in my career as an athlete, I practiced in basically a blizzard. It was insane. Um, kind of came out of nowhere. I was hearing rumblings. It was going to snow this weekend. Um but it didn't. It snowed like our first day of practice. So we were out there and it was very funny from one angle of our film, like the sideline view. It was, you know, it looked fine, looked like a normal day. And then you get the end zone copy and it's just coming down just sideways. You could barely see. Um, Yeah. Very, very cold. And it just stayed cold. So now it's not, it's no longer warm. It's very, 40 degrees and lower um, you skipped fall yeah it was just such a quick transition and also i i would like to point out that i feel like we're saying that more and more that we just skipped fall maybe it's just an illusion maybe it's just our geographical standing in the world but like we skip fall all of the time and i'm starting to believe that fall is just this fictitious idea that we have built up in our heads of crisp weather and warm drinks and like crisp enough to be bearable and go outside and still do things in sweatshirts it snowed today at o'hare airport this like this morning it snowed it has been kind of crisp for like two weeks and if you want to call two weeks a a season of the year fine but fall at this point is just uh, a fallacy 
I, I don't know. I, I, I'm glad you mentioned there was a word that you used there that I wanted us to talk about, but I didn't have an organic place to put it. Crisp weather, right? Like I, when I went for a walk on Saturday, I'm like, oh, it's kind of a nice crisp fall day. If you were to say that to someone who hasn't heard the word crisp used in relation to weather, it's impossible to say what that means. What makes a weather crisp? I'm walking. I'm like, oh, all it is is like it's a bit chilly. Like it was in the mid 50s. It was sunny for a bit and then kind of gray. And I'm like, oh, it's a nice crisp fall day. No, it's just colder than it used to be. There's nothing special about it. But also it's the exact right word to describe it. And I think that's why people get lost is because you have these these notions of, oh, this is what fall is, right? It's like, oh, they start rolling out the seasonal beverages and, oh, yeah, I can start doing these pumpkin patch or apple orchard type things. Well, people have been doing them for a month, right? Because especially yes. where we're in, in Illinois, is it wavers. We went from 90 degrees in July and August. So like low 70s is a high. People want to say, oh, if it's 70s, it's summer. But no, that's fall. Like if the highest it gets is 70, that's fall. If it snows a little, that's also fall. The point is most of the time it's going to be in the like 40s to 60s. So I don't think fall has disappeared. I think people have gotten numb to it because of uh, all of the shared same ideas like the word crisp that fly around on social media. And I realized they, that word has no meaning in the weather realm. And crisp is almost more of an image, is it not? Like I feel like crisp is like kind of sunny, but like you said, also a little gray. The leaves are changing. And I feel like it's more of like a, an image rather than like a specific feel, so to speak. Because if you were to say, give me the outlines of crisp, I don't know that I could tell you. It's chilly. It's well, okay. Wait, do they say that? Do they say that, Tyler? I want to know. Do you have anybody in your life up there? If they don't use crisp, if you said, Oh, it's kind of crisp today, would they know what you mean? Yeah, I feel okay. like, but I, I feel like if you took a picture, like, I like a still of like just a, like a, an environment, like of the environment, like in the fall, and you say, Okay, pick which one is crisp, you can't because you have to feel the crispness in the air. Right. It's crisp air. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. true. Huh. I don't know, man. We have so many words. How do we still use them wrong? Uh, Bob Costas has found a way to use all of the words correctly during the, the Guardians and Yankees series. Again, still to come, the rant on Bob Costas. Uh, but but no, I, I, I don't know. I, I, there's, there's like two weeks, two weeks of the year where I sleep with my windows open and that's fall to me. That's like, all right. And now we're more into winter. But even still, Jack, to your point, of, oh, that's not the right button. That is, though. Even still, to your point of uh, we have this this false sense of what fall is like the actual season itself ends on December the 22nd. Ah, no, forget about that. Uh, too much has changed in, in time. And I'm sure there's some sort of spatial relativity that because we rotate slightly off our axis each year, like 250 years ago when they set these seasons up, they meant something else. All I know is that it still exists, whether it's September, October, November, August, September, October. I, I'm picturing a calendar in my head and I still can't even figure it out. Fall is still there. A hundred percent is there. People have been doing fall things for five weeks now and they're going to keep doing fall things for another four. So don't tell me it's gone. <laughs> All right. Well, how about you tell me about Ezra Miller? Oh, dude. this. So this is one of those intercepted the goal lines where... The only potential humorous element that I could bring to the table is that it is like a big name celebrity. And so there's a little bit of a zeitgeisty feel of, oh, this guy again. Uh, but really, that's the story is this guy again. Uh, actor Ezra Miller, he has pleaded not guilty to burglary in the state of Vermont. 
which is now another place on his list of his global tour of not doing very good things to the people around him. Uh, there was the assault case not so long ago in Hawaii. Uh, I remember he had some sort of negative interaction with fans or something in Germany a while back. But he's a pretty prominent actor. He has cited some of the issues to like mental health problems, which if that's the case, you know, again, not something really to make light of. Uh, but it definitely with everything that's been going on, we talked about the Warner Brothers Cartoon Network stuff in the past. And we've talked about just in general, the landscape of like Hollywood and stuff. It's kind of crazy that this guy is still supposed to be one of the flagship actors in this giant DC superhero movie launching universe. Yeah, and for those who are unaware, Ezra Miller is the Flash. Yes, yes. So this is Ezra Miller. All the pictures you're going to see of him are of his brief appearances as the Flash in movies so far. But it, it just is weird to see a guy who keeps getting into strange situations. He had the one interaction that went like at the beginning of COVID where he was with a fan and there was a video of him like pushing a woman. And then it's like, oh, she asked me to do it. It's just there's what? a lot of strange things going on. I don't know. Do you? You remember seeing it? it was in like a grocery store or something and it was no, like and, and to be honest with you i don't know if it's just the side of uh, like twitter that i'm on or whatever it might be but the the latest incident where he was robbing people in vermont is the only incident that i've heard of ezra miller wait really so i swear no way swear okay i'm okay if you go really? to his wikipedia here is the contents one early life two career Three, personal life. Four, controversies and legal issues. <laughs> Four, one, disorderly conduct. Four, two, strangling incident. Four, what? three. Oh, that's the one I was, he didn't push it. He strangled person. Yeah. Four, three, Hawaii arrests. Four, four, relationship with, I don't know this name. Four, five, harassment allegations. Four, six, Vermont farm incidents. Four, seven, burglary charge. And that's, and then four, eight is like mental health issues. Like, I don't know how you're just hearing this now. And he's not really in the news for anything other than these things at this point. Sure. Sure. I, I just, I, I don't know. I, maybe, 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 it's a similar, maybe a similar comparison, right? Like uh, by no means was he to the extent of Ezra Miller and the things that you're listing off, but like Robert Downey Jr. We put him in a closet for a little while while he figured out his stuff. And then we brought him back out and he was Iron Man. It's like, in every way, shape, and form, in every way, shape, and form, DC just does not deliver with their with their their movies, right? Like uh, they've got they've got the guy that should be put away in the closet for a little bit, and then maybe brought back out as a Flash, just actively being the Flash and actively robbing people. Their movies are kind of disjointed and out of whack. Like the DC universe is is uh, the antithesis of uh, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? Like it's the complete opposite. Well, and it's got when you said he's like the the first thing that came to my mind, I'm like, he's about to say Antonio Brown. And like, <laughs> I don't know that that would be a crazy comparison. Like they both probably have issues that are beyond our knowledge, just like seeing the headlines and stuff. But they both do things that are very unpredictable in all sorts of places all over the world and kind of damage the people around them. So. Yeah, no, not not something that's like a super ha ha laugh at sort of thing, but just one of those like, uh oh, what did he do this time? Yeah, and he did another thing. All right, I'll wrap up intercepted at the goal line uh, with just Draymond Green, right? Like we talked about last week, the the punch, the punch, where something was said between him and uh, Warriors guard Jordan Poole, and Green ends up cold cocking. Jordan Poole uh, in the face and this week the developments uh, that have kind of 
spurred from this are uh, Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole getting contract extensions. Uh, the the main situation, one of the main situations that's been talked about after the Draymond Green situation is that he he's likely in the last year of his contract. He's got an opt out after this season um, and is looking for his money. He has been the underpaid player. Uh, some people have compared him to like uh, Scottie Pippen when he signed his contract extension with the Bulls in the 90s. He signed it and was automatically underpaid. They're, they've kind of likened Green's contract to that. He took less money in order to stay with the team because he's so important to the team and he has this incident in a volatile moment during the course of when he's going to be asking for money and they didn't suspend him they didn't really fine him they just held him out of practice and instead it seems the punishment is well here's the money we might have paid you in the form of four-year contracts for andrew wiggins and jordan Poole. yeah draymond green has also it's tough to compare because like he's been through all of the good moments and he's been good for a long time whereas Wiggins and Poole are still newer to the fold but it also is like I've heard the the discussions of kind of scapegoatism like this incident has given the Warriors the reason they needed to not have to you know make these tougher calls and that Draymond might one day not be a warrior even though he's been there his entire career is there are people who will find more value in him maybe than the Warriors will with this sort of new wave that they're able to build around Steph and Clay. Uh, and Draymond's performance simply isn't what it used to be. He's still an elite defender. There's no question about it. He could still guard one through five, it seems, but he's a bit more of a liability on the offensive end. And, you know, you, you've always had the suspensions and issues like that. Uh, so it, part of it is a little bit bigger than what actually happened. And it was... Jordan Poole was probably getting this giant extension anyways. And Wiggins was certainly somebody they didn't want to lose and they want to make sure they keep him. So there's, there's a bit more to it, but uh, I'm, like I said, a huge Draymond Green fan. And so I, I hope that whatever happens, you know, does right by him because I do think he's one of the best personalities that NBA has offer. Well, and he, uh, he, he he's somebody that that I like a lot, um, and apparently he's been dealing with a lot of things off the court that he has said is kind of the reasoning for his mismanagement of the situation between he and Jordan Poole. But uh, Tyler, I bring the question to you about the situation: Have you ever, on any team that you've that you've played on, had a guy who, in the locker room or uh, during practices or whatever, may not have been the best team guy, but on the field and in competition was so good and maybe not even good, but so integral in the success of the team that everybody else just kind of had to put up with him. And how do you deal with that as a player? Um, You know, I think there's, there's guys like that wherever you are, you know, there's always going to be some guy who's just really good and, you know, you just can't deny it. Um, uh, A lot of the really great players though are team guys. So I will say that Um, I personally have never been on a team with really any of those guys kind of characters. Um, but I know my friends have, they've, they've been a part of some teams, um, where they've had like a star on the team and there's, you know, some, a little, you know, they act very differently. You know, they're, they're not a team guy. They, they miss team functions. They, you know, they, they can just go like missing for a couple of days and come back and, you know, nothing's the problem because he's that guy on the field. Um, when it comes to dealing with him, I guess it's just really just allowing him to be in his space. Um, 
you know, you can't really drag a guy that, like that along because like he thinks he's so elite that he's above everyone. So you just kind of got to let him do his thing and then let the people on the team just be amongst themselves and try to grow through that. It, it, it'll be interesting to see how it all unfolds either way. And I, again, I, I love hearing a player's perspective on it, right? It doesn't matter what sport you're playing. Um, get, getting that insight is I think always valuable and uh, we'll see where he plays next season. We'll see where he plays the, re- the rest of this season, right? I, I would assume that Draymond Green is there for the entirety of, of this season. I have no doubts about that, but uh, certainly, you know, the, uh, if you're looking for takes, right, you start to, hand through okay might they might they not I, I don't believe so but certainly we'll see where he goes next season and maybe at some point we hear some expose on his podcast about what exactly happened uh i'd like now though to move on to week six of the nfl which is not yet wrapped up uh in here in real time but will be wrapped up once we release this podcast i want to bring up the seattle seahawks i wanted to bring them up last week during episode five and we didn't get the chance to but i need to bring them up now because Without a doubt, they are one of the most surprising teams of this young NFL season. Am I correct in that? Ah, I don't know. I th- I think it's surprising in the fact that Gino is good. Like I, I think there was a lot of expectations of Russell Wilson being the guy in Seattle for so long, and then oh well, who's going to take his place? And not really having a a viable candidate for that. And then Geno Smith coming out of nowhere and just playing like he was in West Virginia back when he was in college. And I think, you know, his development has been a little bit different than most. But, you know, you could see that his quarterback play has definitely helped that team out tremendously. Yeah, I don't know that they've been super surprising. I think we came into the year they were expected to be one of the worst teams in the NFL, right? They they gutted the system to get all these picks in the rust trade. And there really wasn't too much going for them outside of, I don't know, DK Metcalf was like their one really good young player. And then they had some other playmakers at other positions that weren't maybe part of the next generation Seahawks. And they're three and three now, and they don't really have any super impressive wins. The teams that they've beat are all teams that are worse than we thought they were going to be. So I don't know that I would say the Seahawks have been surprising as far as wins, losses and records go. But uh, the the on-field visibility when you're watching the Seahawks play, that's probably like what Tyler was saying is I don't think we expected any quarterback play. And we've actually gotten prior to this week, pretty consistent elite quarterback production and, and still very top notch, even through six weeks. Yeah. I, I am. I'm utterly surprised, shocked even by uh, Geno Smith. He has been uh, I, I incredible right for like the standards that we have for Geno Smith. He has been utterly incredible. He leads the league in completion percentage at over 70% going into yesterday's ball game. Um, I think a lot of it probably has to do with the offensive coordinator in, in Seattle, Shane Waldron, who I think is separating himself as maybe the next big coaching hire, right? Like last year, it seemed like it was day bowl this year. It might end up being Shane Waldron because of, what he's doing with this offense uh there's they're very well coached they're the second least penalized team in football they run the ball extremely well and not only well but efficiently they are number one in yards per rush at five and a half 
yards. And I assume that only went up after the performance that we had from Kenneth Walker yesterday. Uh, They're also third in yards per pass at almost uh, eight yards per pass. And like I said, number one in completion percentage in football, 60% of their plays are through the air and they're getting tremendous efficiency from Geno Smith. I just think it's awesome. So this is a quarterback that kind of has been lost in time, but when he first entered the league in 2013 with the Jets, he actually wasn't terrible. Uh, He did go eight and eight, started every game at quarterback. Uh, The biggest problems that he had in those first couple seasons where he was a full-time starter, and and since 2014, he hasn't had that title until this year. Uh, It was the completion was a big thing, and the interceptions was another thing, and he hasn't thrown too many interceptions this season either. So it's one that even though it was a seven-year, eight-year gap in the middle, with time and different systems. He's been on, I think, three or four teams since the Jets. It's worked that he now is in a place where he's an effective quarterback. And we that's a very rare thing that, A, your quarterback is getting some sort of second chance after being part of a failed team. I mean, those are some pretty bad Jets teams that he was on. Uh, and B, the fact that he has made use of it as not just a backup who filled in for a game or two and was good. They gave him the reins. They could have gone with Drew Locke, who's a bit younger, and maybe you could pitch a case for, but they gave it to the guy who won in camp. And maybe they don't need to take a quarterback next year if they find value at other positions. You expect this is a team that probably looks for a quarterback, but three and three has got to be pretty good considering I think they were put on for about five wins this season. Yeah, I mean, go ahead, Tyler. I think it just comes down to, you know, I think I feel like a lot of people definitely forget that as a as a professional player, you're still growing. So you have to grow into your role as a pro. There's huge differences between, you know, college football and going into the pros. And I mean, for starters, it's just getting to know like the system. You're playing a much more intense schedule. You're playing the absolute best of the best. You're playing Alabama every week and you have to prepare for that. And as someone coming right out of college and being on a not a not great Jets franchise, I mean, it's, it's tough to do that. But, you know, for him to stay the course and to get to where he is, I think it's I mean, it's a testament to Geno Smith as a player. I mean, definitely sticking it out and not just hanging it up when, you know, things didn't go his way. Well, what, what was the what was the line? Uh, something about they somebody called or they, they never called on me, but I called. back. What, what did he say after the week one win? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Oh, shoot. I'll find it for you. Something something about that. Uh, yeah, I, I, they didn't call or I didn't call back or something like that. I, I'm not, I forget. <laughs> they wrote they wrote me off, but I ain't right back, though. That's right. That is, yeah. that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> See, leave it to, leave it to me to, to screw up a pretty epic line. <laughs> they left um, me a voice now, but I was unavailable at the moment. Like, no, nah, no, nah, that's not what he said. No, that's not as cool. cool. <laughs> you talking about missed calls. Uh, oh, not here. <laughs> um, but, you know, we'll see if the Seahawks continue to trend up or if, or if they start to regress to what we assume to be their, their normal standing. Uh, they play L.A., the Chargers, in Week 7. They'll get the New York Giants, who are good? Big question mark? Uh, I've been in Week 8? part of the takeaway with the Seattle thing too. And you're like, Oh, aren't they kind of surprising? Like they're three and three. There's a lot of teams in the middle of the pack right now that I think NFL week six has continued to reveal 
one of the bigger truths of the season, which is there aren't very many good NFL teams. Like <laughs> well, everybody's there are some very heavily injured NFL teams too, that I think is kind of bringing us to where we are as well. True. Uh, and some of those heavily injured ones are the ones who are doing better than expected. Anyways, take your Dallas Cowboys, your New York giants who are doing fine, but you, you look at the Seahawks schedule. Oh, they beat the Broncos. Oh, they beat the Cardinals. Those were two teams that were pretty popular coming this season. Should have winning records. I'm like, Oh, I hate to break it to you, but no, they're not great. It's, well, who is good? I said earlier, the bills and chiefs are tier one tier two might just be the Eagles. <laughs> like, and then, so you have a top two and then a third. And after that, I don't know. You get lost after a while. Do you throw the Giants in the next group? Are the Buccaneers good and they just lose a lot? Are the Packers good and they lose a lot? The NFL just is potentially a worse product than it has been in the past, but it's competitive. Yeah, I think that might be where we're headed, right? Is like just a, a league that's kind of very close all over the place. There's smart, competent football players uh, on every f- franchise. I think part of that has to do with the inclusion of analytics and realizing like, oh, this guy might be more valuable than we think because the numbers tell us so where normally that kind of a, a guy would be written off. I don't have a specific example, but I'm, I'm willing to bet that that's a, that's a real thing is like, typically we would have written this guy off, but we're not going to now because new era football, this new zeitgeist that we're in says to do something else. And so we'll bring him in, whatever the guy is, whether it's Geno Smith or whomever, it's just, it, we're, we're in a position right now where I think, we're on the precipice of a new zeitgeist in football and not a lot of teams know how to separate themselves yet. Yeah. Yeah. I I, like, even as you're talking, I'm like, there's gotta be somebody I'm forgetting. There's gotta be another good team out there. Like the Vikings, are they good? But I don't know. Right. Cause it's, it's Kirk cousins. You can never really trust them. I think there's actually, I think there's three good teams right now. You can tell me if I'm wrong. Two of them are in the AFC. We've talked about them already. It's the Bills and the Chiefs. I think there is one actually good NFC team at the moment, and it's the Eagles. And that that's where we are right now. If you were right. to you know, rank it, tier it, standings, whatever. But if I told you that the Eagles and the Buccaneers were playing on a neutral field, who would you pick to win? You can't confidently say the Eagles will beat Tampa. I think I think as of today, I think that I, I could. I, I think that Tampa's looked rough. I think they've looked rough. Yeah, I mean, Tom's not Tom's not playing as well as he has, and he's forty five. So of course he's not going to. He's also missing guard center guard on his offensive line. He's had inconsistencies on who he's throwing the ball to. There was a week where his number one wide receiver was Cole Beasley, right? So, like, certainly things could turn around. <laughs> Cole Beasley's retired. He, he just he just <laughs> retired after that. So. Oh my gosh! He played one more NFL game and was like, actually, I'm out. Right? So, like, it's possible that the Buccaneers turn it around, but like today. If you if you were to put those two teams on a neutral field, I would take the Eagles. I think it's a relatively easy decision. Okay. okay. Let me ask you guys a question though. Would you rather have a league that has games or is more competitive in a sense like this, or would you rather have just like the two or three teams that run both sides of the league? As a gambling guy, 
I would, as, as a person that gambles, right? Like I would rather have a couple of teams that run away with it because it gives me a couple of certainties every week. Um, as a fan of football and just sitting down and watching it every week, I like parody, right? I like seeing variation every week and not really being able to ascertain like, okay, this team is definitively good or this team isn't right. But all, then I bring it back to being this guy sitting in the chair, talking about football and not being able to decide, are they good? Are they not good? Like, and I don't like that as being this guy in this role, wearing this hat. I don't like it here. So I guess the majority of me says, no, I don't love this, but there's also like that fan side of me that says, yeah, this is fine. I like this. I think you have to look at the in-between on that too, that it's, it's not so binary is right now. I love the fact that the standings are all over the place and we're, you know, more than a quarter of the way, a third of the way through the season, right? Week six of 18, we're a third of the way through and the playoff picture is changing so fast because every day you'll look and it's new teams jumping up with tiebreakers and things like that. We just hit bye week season, which will change things as it moves along too. But there's a difference between everybody being close in record and nobody being good. They can coexist, but they don't have to. I would love a world where the Buccaneers losing on the road to the Steelers this last week was like, a, oh my gosh, they pulled off the upset. I can't believe it. But the problem is this is now the second or third iteration of the Buccaneers looking bad. Same with the Packers and the Jets. Uh, to some extent, the Ravens and Giants, both sides of the ball. Is it's happening too frequently. I don't I don't want people who are just running it. I like the idea that any team can beat any team. That's what for me separates NFL from college football, for example, where most games end exactly as you expect they would as far as wins and losses. But you watch the games and it's there's nobody that you can believe in. I haven't just been, oh wow, that was a nice play. Oh wow, that was a nice game. No, it's like, oh, they're actually so much worse than I thought they were. The Broncos. The Packers, the Buccaneers, the Chargers uh, to some extent, the Chargers, the Bengals, like there are way too many teams that also haven't been replaced by anybody because you look at the Giants and you go, that's a pr- probably a pretty fraudulent five and one. I thought the Vikings would be good. So that five and one, I know to a lot of other people looks kind of sketchy. The Cooper Rush Cowboys. It's not like we've traded anything. It's that the top teams fell down. And the bottom teams are just kind of still where they were. That's the yeah, problem. Well, and there's a lot of teams that tried to hit the reset button all at the same time. Look at the quarterback carousel that we had this past offseason. And I, like I said, there's a lot of teams that hit the reset button and not as many teams were like, we're going to go for it because we think we can compete with the Chiefs and the Bills and and who we perceive to be the Chargers and Bucks, right? Like there was so many teams that were just saying, all right, let's reshuffle the deck let's restart this this next draft class is going to be stocked with talent we'll trade our quarterback and figure it out in a year right um i think that's just kind of where we're at maybe this is a one-off maybe this is the nfl of the future where everybody's just kind of very close nobody really separates from one another uh in any given year it's possible that that's the truth yeah. I mean, I was just curious to have your thoughts on it because I, I agree with Jack in the fact that I think both are uh, can, can it be true at the same time where not all the talent is or the teams are very good, but it's more competitive. I think a more competitive league with the the same variation would be great. Yeah, I just want to see guys go out and get it done. And <laughs> each week it feels like I'm watching so many games where it's who's not messing up. 
Like who's not who's not fumbling this at the last second? Who's not making the horrible decision on fourth down early in the fourth quarter? It's like, no, no, I want people to outclass each other. And right now we're going the opposite way. But it is admittedly fun to have close standings. Tyler, I want you to be able to uh, spread out just a little bit here and uh, feel comfortable in talking about the next topic, which is college football. I did want to have a discussion on this Alabama-Tennessee game because I did think that it was a huge pivotal point in the college football season. Alabama is outside of the top four for what seems like the first time in like four decades, right? Like it just seems so long that Alabama has been a fixture of the top four and destined for the college football playoff. Now things are not so certain for the Crimson Tide. Tennessee, the Vols, step in. Good old Rocky Top is a top three team for the first time, or a top four team, rather, for the first time since 2002, and they scored more points against Alabama than any opponent has since 1907. Jeez. What's different about this Tennessee game? I know that you've watched very closely for a long time, your, uh, your, your cohort, so to speak, in the college football realm. What makes this Tennessee team different? Well, I would just like to preface this, that the last team Tennessee lost to was the Purdue Boilermakers, and I was on that team. So Yes, you were. Hello. Right. I'm going to hang, yeah, my, hat on. Gonna hang my hat on that. Music um, City Bowl last year in uh, correct. Nashville. Nashville. Nashville, Nashville, yeah, absolutely correct. But um, yeah, you could definitely tell there's there's a big difference in how Tennessee has come out this whole season. Um, you know, looking at last year as far as like film study, we they had an explosive offense. They were getting it done on defense from time to time, um, but it was still missing something. You know, you, you could see opportunity there. But when you turn on the games on the weekends and you watch Tennessee this year, I feel like you, there's not as many opportunities. I feel like they firm things up on defense. I feel like their, their offense is still that much more explosive. Hendon Hooker got another year under his belt. And, man, is he lighting up the scoreboard, man. He, he is, him. is on fire. Hendon Hooker. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, talk about an awesome year. I mean, he's trending to – for the Heisman this year, which I think is rightfully so. He's got to be the um, favorite right now, right? Well, no, yeah, especially not the betting know. favorite. Oh, uh, well, I mean, that's typically a good indicator of who's the favorite, right? Who is the favorite right now? CJ Stroud. Still CJ yeah. Stroud. Yeah, he was preseason favorite and hasn't really done anything to mess up yet. Okay, fair enough. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it all it's trending in Tennessee's favor. Um, you know, God forbid any tra- there's going to be a trap game coming up with with Tennessee, and if they get through that trap game, uh, I believe they play LSU coming or they play, they just played LSU. They've got um, uh, they've got a, a, an SEC bye week by playing UT Martin, uh, and then they <laughs> then they host <laughs> Kentucky and go to Georgia. So that's two ranked opponents that uh, could trip them up on their undefeated quest. That's so tough that they have to play Georgia too. Yeah, but I, I don't know. They just really run away with every game they've played. Um, I don't. I think I think Tennessee can give them a run for their money. I think Alabama's still the most disciplined team of of the the two, even though Georgia's results look better. Um, but you know, I, I think it was. It, in two ways, the Tennessee looks good, but I think it also is showing that Alabama isn't that good this year. 
And I think there's, there's more to that as well, just for the sake of the playoff this year. Yeah, this is an Alabama team that they barely survived playing against Texas earlier in the season. They won 2019. They scraped out the win against Texas A&M last week, which I think we did touch on a little bit. So to me, it's also kind of crazy that Alabama is still ranked number six after losing to Tennessee. And I joked with a friend, I'm like, I'm expecting them to be number two in the rankings this week because <laughs> Tennessee is going to move so high up that that loss becomes so high quality that it actually helps them rather than if they had won the game. But yeah, you look the fact that Georgia's number one, Tennessee's three, Alabama six, Ole Miss seven. Like it's not <clears throat> the same teams that we always used to see at the top in the SEC. A couple of them are. But uh, definitely Hendon Hooker has done a good job of putting Tennessee back on the map. And they've played well to this point. It's just they're not one of the traditional 2010s blue bloods. So like Tyler said, I'm, I'm sort of just waiting for the downfall. I'm not rooting for it, but you just feel like there's there's no way a team that isn't one of the 10 that have already made the playoffs make it. Yeah. Hendon Hooker is the he's him of the week. <laughs> Uh, I'm fully on the Hendon Hooker train. I don't know if anybody else can tell, but that guy I feel like is super special this year. I don't know how that translates to the NFL. Currently, he's ranked ranked as the sixth best quarterback prospect coming up in this year's draft. Um, I don't know that he gets much higher than that. There are some pretty good quarterback prospects coming out this year, but Hendon Hooker is definitely somebody uh, to kind of trap in your brain. Remember that name, and let's see where he's at in three years. Um, again, I feel like this is a week where I don't get to say much about baseball, though I am absolutely decked out right now. And I'm just realizing that in baseballism apparel, uh, I I do want to say real quick about, you know, just the, the MLB playoffs in general, I think have been really fun. I I don't know that there has been anything in specific that MLB itself as the entity did to make this better. I think though, that there are some, there are some really fun matchups to watch. I think the 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 best the best way to describe it is 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 by pointing out the Yankees Guardians series. You have this team in New York who is on a tear. It seems like they're on a collision course with the World Series. They have Aaron Judge having the single one of the single best statistical seasons an American League hitter has ever had. They've got great pitching going into this offseason or this this uh, postseason that they typically haven't had before. Their bullpen is a little bit better than it has been before. And still They are having fits trying to get rid of the Cleveland Guardians. And why is that? Because the Guardians play this new age style of baseball where it's a yes, it's it's this new age style, but they 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 marry it beautifully with old school, put the ball in place, small ball. We don't have to get all of our runs via the, the long ball like it is beautiful stuff to watch. Terry Francona, who's the manager of, of the Guardians, knows exactly what he has and utilizes it to the best of his ability. You match that offensively with the fact that the Guardians have tremendous pitching, tremendous pitching. And it is, it, it's something to behold. And I think that we've seen that happen a lot of times this postseason. It's interesting, too, because Cleveland isn't a team that's super far removed from, I guess you almost are, I guess... I'm trying to think, would you call this like the next wave of Cleveland baseball, even though the last one was only four or five years ago? You almost uh, but, have to, though, right? Because right. It's, it's like it's a totally different pieces. team. Yeah. 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 It's a totally different team. <clears throat> but it's similar that when you say, oh, they've got all this great pitching. I'm like, 
isn't that what happened last time? Like, oh, wait, they've yeah, got but, some guys but, who were maybe playing more than they were expected to play, and they had this crazy arsenal. And so it, it's cool to see that Francona can do it again with a different group. Yeah. Well, think about it. The the rotation the last time they had a serious playoff run, the 2016 World Series run, you had what? it was uh, Corey Kluber. You had was Trevor Bauer. That? Trevor Bauer. Uh, Carlos Carrasco. You still had Clevenger. Andrew Miller. Uh, Clevenger was there, but I don't know that he pitched. Um, and oh, who then, else was with Andrew Miller? They had Cody Allen. Cody was Allen was yep. their closer. And now it's reshuffle the deck where we're a while, kind of a while removed from that, right? But they still have had some of the best pitching of any MLB franchise. And it's Shane Bieber. And it's it's um, Tristan McKenzie, Tristan McKenzie, who is phenomenal and has three pitches. The guy throws three <laughs> pitches and he dominates people, shoves it down people's throats. Their bullpen is top notch. They've got Emmanuel Class A, who was he's just incredible. Again, a guy who throws just three pitches, but also throws a cutter at one hundred and two miles an hour. The guy is absolutely incredible. I've got all the, the great things to say about the Cleveland franchise, and this is only one singular matchup this is only one divisional round matchup we've had so many good moments already you talk about i talked about at the top of the show right like san diego taking down big brother in four games in san diego with the rally goose right like so many great moments there so many great moments as the phillies topple atlanta who for the longest time have tormented them uh, throughout the course of the 90s and the early 2000s and even now in the in the 2020s right like th- this th- this has been one of the best playoff runs brackets that i can remember and i could be wrong but my finger on the pulse of things without being super in depth in the minds and the tv ratings of everybody watching it's different in the mlb i think people casual sports fans like to see things that are less familiar. I think there's something about seeing the Mariners in the playoffs and seeing the Phillies succeeding and seeing the Dodgers losing and depending on the outcome of tonight's games, which people will hear by the time that this podcast is up, maybe the Yankees go down as well. I think in other sports, it's very important that big name, brand name, historic teams go far because it's something that people can kind of relate to. But I think in MLB, because you have such a like regional fan base on each team, that once your team is out, it feels like everybody defaults to, well, I'm going to pick this team because they've kind of been a fun story. And the Yankees are not the fun story. The Dodgers right. are not the fun story. The Mariners are the fun story. Not the Astros, the Phillies. It, Cleveland, even though we just talked about, we had them a few years ago, they literally have a new team and a new team name. Like These are things that people are refamiliarizing themselves with. And I think that's what's been successful for baseball is this draws in the casual sports fan more than a Yankees Dodgers World Series would have completely. And I, I, I can't say that this is a, an organic thought that I had on my own. I did. I did grab this from Twitter. I don't remember who tweeted it, but somebody somebody had, had brought up an excellent point in saying that, they, that we have uh, we have a hundred and eleven win L.A. Dodgers team this year. One hundred and eleven wins is unfathomable. It is a crazy amount of wins in a singular MLB season. But that team was not fun. 
there was nobody on that team who was outright having fun, right? And, and, and having these moments where like, oh, we can attach ourselves to this. Think about the Mariners for a second. They had a dude, nobody knows who the hell Cal Raleigh is at the beginning of the 2022 season. But what happens? He hits a home run to send Seattle to the playoffs for the first time in 21 years, acquires a dope nickname like the Big Dumper, and then doesn't just roll over and, and die in the playoffs. He beca- He has huge moments for that team in the playoffs. He plays with torn ligaments in his thumb and, and, and battles through 18 straight innings, catching major league baseball with torn ligaments in his thumb. Like this is the type of stuff that people emotionally attach themselves to. And there were like the, the big teams this year just simply did not have that. The Dodgers don't have that without Aaron judge. The Yankees don't have a storyline that you're like, I want to root for that team. The Braves, to some extent, did have that this year in the fact that they were down so much in the standings and climbed their way back. But aside from that, they didn't have anybody that you were going to attach yourself to and say, I love this player. I want them to win. All of these smaller teams, I shouldn't say smaller teams, all of these uh, teams that you wouldn't think would be in this position have had those moments. Seattle, even though they're gone, had those moments. Philly has had those moments this year, albeit some some brain bending stuff like they've had moments this year where you can say this is really cool that they're here. They fired their manager this year. They're using an interim manager and they are in the NLCS for the first time since 2009 and over a decade they're there. San Diego, the trade deadline. I mean, that's one where you open up everybody's eyes and you go, oh, this is a team that. They're not the best of the best every year, but they want to win and they're and they actually going to make a splashy move. Right. And they haven't been in the NLCS since uh, in, in 24 years, almost a quarter century since they've been in this situation. We are seeing some of the most compelling baseball being played on uh, in, in the playoffs right now. It's exactly what MLB needed. And again, I'll take my hat off and say congratulations. They made a great move by scheduling the playoffs the way that they did, because a lot of nights it's the only thing we have and it's been awesome. So with that, I'll get off my soapbox. Cease my rant. Hey, baseball's finally given you a soapbox. So the last few years you stand on the soapbox and your knees are shaking and you're all wobbly because you're like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to defend baseball this time. But finally you've got this ironclad Look at the games on TV and nobody can complain. Uh, but I, I, I do want to complain about one thing before we move to blank. You oh, God. Bob Costas. <laughs> Holy hell. My God. I, I, listen, I'm a play by play guy. I'm a broadcaster by trade. I have huge respect for the titans of the industry that have come before me. Right. All of them. I, I they have paved the way for people like me to be in a situation where I'm at. Uh, but Bob Costas I, I can't say he's past his prime because he's still very good at what he does, but he is incessant and does not stop talking. So what, what do you when you hear Bob Costas, what's the first thing you think of him like covering? What sport do you associate him mostly with? Because of my age and where I picked up um, where I started picking up guys voices and oh this is this guy i know him i know that name what i think of him as the olympics guy yes and i yes. think that that is a that i maybe that's a generational thing but in my mind part of it is that's where he's good like that that sort of 
job he has nailed for a long time and it hasn't translated in this MLB postseason. It's a different thing he's doing than the, you know, hosting the Sunday night football pregame or being at Olympics media HQ or whatever. So part of it is we try and turn every broadcast figure into the Swiss army knife that can do all sorts of things. And I just don't think that's doable for everyone. No, but Bob Costas is a Hall of Fame baseball broadcaster. Yes. Like he has been very good at this thing. He was somebody that for a long time, the companion in the companion sport that is baseball was Bob Costas. But he's telling these long, drawn out stories about, of course, you remember in the 1950 playoffs, this random guy that you've never heard, Bumper Jonesy or whoever it might be, had did this amazing feat like it's like, okay, yes, there is a place and, and there is a time for that. But like, oh my goodness. It's hey, just, but he's, at least he's a funny guy too, right? I mean, you heard he called uh, Shane Bieber Justin, Justin right? Bieber. I, mean, that, I was watching. That, that, that was happened. a zinger. Was like, <laughs> oh, yeah. good one, guy. So somebody's, somebody has come up with a Bob Costas drinking game. And I think with it being tonight, the, the final game that we'll hear of Bob Costas this postseason, I think that we should all participate and uh, maybe record some Snapchats later on and uh, use those for next week. But um, so you're, you are to take a sip of your drink when Bob Costas talks over Ron Darling. Or if we miss a big play because he's in the middle of a story, you take a sip, take a sip. If he complains about that day's game and, and, and take a drink, if he talks about something that happened before 1950, <laughs> okay, you are too. Oh, that last one's not his fault though. That's all anybody with MLB affiliation wants to talk about is things that have before 1950. <laughs> you are to take a shot. Uh, if he talks about the uh, the Boone family, Aaron Boone and his family, you are to take a shot if he says the name Indians and you are to take a shot if he mispronounces a player's name because he's been doing that a ton as well. <laughs> Lastly, you are to finish your drink if he makes a terrible pop culture reference. Oh, that's that's like it it's not difficult. It's difficult to survive. Here. Yeah, yeah. That that <laughs> could be the end of a few people on this planet if they listened closely to the rules. <laughs> oh. Yeah, especially the talking over Ron Darling part. Uh, the, just God, I could talk about this for a little bit longer, but I think I'll cease and we'll move on to to blank you very much. It's wait, wait, just... I'm actually going to call for a pivot. I'd like to jump ahead. Uh, we don't have to switch the whole segment, but this ties in with one of the things that I had that I was going to talk about. Do you want to do low-hanging fruit first? Yeah, yeah, because okay, I, I think fruit. this is an organic switch from Bob Costas to my low-hanging fruit, which, let's see if I can do the cool little explanation thing, were to take a topic from sports or pop culture that is begging to be made fun of. It doesn't have to be, you know, something super, super popular. It could be a funny little thing, all sorts of stuff. And with the Bob Costas comes al michaels who is who is also a hall of fame broadcaster a titan of the industry in, in two all sports of the yes in two all sports. the that you want to give bob costas you give to al michaels too uh and one of the tragedies of the last week in the nfl is that the chicago bears washington commanders game was broadcast for everyone around the country to see <laughs> i guess is broadcast everywhere streamed right because it's on amazon prime so yeah. maybe if you aren't an amazon subscriber and you didn't go on twitch maybe you dodged this but the game was expected to be terrible 
it somehow didn't meet those expectations. It was a horrible game, probably the worst game of the entire season, at least that I've watched or heard about. Uh, and Al Michaels, who has had a tragic fall from Sunday night football to Thursday night football on Amazon with doesn't know the names of half the NFL players, Kirk Herbstreet. Al Michaels has had <laughs> such a rough go of it this last Thursday. He was wrong about so many things. And it wasn't like bad takes. It was just objective falsehoods about what was happening on the field in front of him a flag would get thrown and he's like well that's coming back that's offensive pass interference and the ref would come out and say it's defensive pass interference he'd go oh i don't know why the bears aren't taking a timeout here and it was the two minute warning there would be no reason to take a timeout so it's just like i know that you're better than this and i don't know if it's brain rot because he didn't see a touchdown the week before which he also mentioned a zillion times is oh i don't know if i remember how to call a touchdown because uh Broncos, what was it? Broncos Colts didn't have a touchdown, right. but it was so disheartening to hear. Not only did he not seem like he was having fun with the game because he got back-to-back absolute stinkers of matchups, <laughs> but he also was just wrong on so many things. And as somebody who, unlike Ryan Sartori, is no longer a broadcaster, but I once did it, and even with him, that would be mortifying to find out that I just said the incorrect thing. It had to have been at least seven times that I noticed, and I even missed a couple drives. So that was my, I don't know how we make fun of it other than just like, maybe it's time to retire. Like maybe NBC, literally when they said, we're not keeping you for Sunday night football, they should have just given him enough money so that he didn't have to keep doing this. But this was an absolutely poor showing. I still think that he's got juice left. I, I I truly do, because just last year we heard him call, I think, some pretty phenomenal games. But the past two weeks, I have never heard him sound less sharp than he has than he has sounded. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he called an absolutely awful game between the Broncos and the Colts Raiders, the Colts Broncos and Colts. He calls that game. It's absolutely terrible. And he knows the next game is going to be bad. And so I think he came in with the enthusiasm of, I, I I don't know, of like a small child taking their cough medicine. Like he came in with that amount of enthusiasm about calling this, this bears and, and com- commanders game almost pulled a Bob Costas. And I think that's, that's kind of why we got what we got. I just like, Maybe it's because he's got a new partner, and so it's not Alan Chris like it has been for a long time. Now it's Alan Kirk, who I'm also not a big Kirk Herbstreet fan. Part of it is that the quality of game has gone down this year. Also, I think the quality of broadcasting around the league has taken a hit, too. I- I'm surprised on Sundays by how many times I'm like, oh, this person is really struggling. And I think that is in large part because everybody is trying to adapt to this new era of like they know what they are saying is being dissect it and picked up on on a word by word basis and so a lot of guys are trying to get too like shout outy if that makes sense or it's like one person that i think does a really good job of it is adam amin adam amin makes pop culture references and interacts with his his, uh, uh color analyst really well and like flows in and out of conversations and knows like what he's saying fits and works et cetera. Uh, but there are a lot of guys who are just simply not very good at it. And it's it's very clear and very plain to hear. 
I think there's too much money. I think that's part of the problem. I think these networks have so much money that they throw around. And instead of getting more like broadcast type people, like we're getting Mark Sanchez, who doesn't <laughs> really, I, mean, I felt so harsh to single out one person, but like Mark it's okay. Sanchez is Mark Sanchez. To listen to, but he's, I, I would, I don't, I don't even want to know how much money he's making doing something that he hasn't really ever done. I, maybe he has a communications degree or background or something, but as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't sound great. But Mark Sanchez in the booth, like that means something to people watching because I don't think people watching really listen as closely as they could. If you really listen, like there are a lot of people that fell off and part of it was the big switcheroo, the mm-hmm. carousel of commentators that happened this offseason, but Man, I that Thursday night game, if it wasn't bad enough on the field, Al Michaels really drove me to a point where I'm like, ah, I don't know if I can watch this with sound on. I'm yeah, so for sorry, those, Al. For those, who, for those who don't really pay attention to the broadcast, if you hear Al Michaels say, meanwhile, it typically means that he is either tying in an alternate storyline that's happening as he's talking about something, or he's messed up massively because he kept going, uh, it's incomplete, and went on to talk about something else and it would go as a flag was thrown, he would go. And meanwhile, you know, like it, regardless, yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's let us continue on with our low hanging fruit. Tyler, uh, Colorado fans storm the field after we've seen uh, solitaire being played on the, the, the berm. And now they're storming the field. Yes. They got their first win against Cal this past weekend uh, in overtime. Um, to go to be one and five and their fans were so excited. They stormed the field. Um, I mean, talk about just a dredge of a game. Final score was 20 to 13. Um, <laughs> Colorado played three different quarterbacks. Oh my. Um, yeah. Chips was in it that day. Oh, he was, he was in for a treat. Um, and Cal just didn't have it in them this week. They, they started hot. They kind of, Gone a little flat the past couple of weeks, but man, Colorado's interim head coach, uh, Mike Sanford, he, he's a big, uh, he's a salesman. That's for sure. He, uh, you know, he got the boys riled, dialed in and riled up for the, for the weekend and the whole, all the fans can enjoy. It was an oh. overtime win, to be fair, right? It was it had that, I guess. California was Wait favored by. It was 15. an overtime win. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was thirteen. What was the final score? Twenty-one to thirteen. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a, a tough game to to sit there and endure. But I, I certainly don't think it's worth storming the field. No, um, no, no. Just it's kind of kind of sad. Um, what this was their Alabama, Tennessee this, took down the goalposts to beat Alabama. Colorado beating anybody who's technically classified as any sort of D one. That's their Alabama. Give it to them, Tyler. Come on. I can't do it. I can't. I can't do it in good conscience, knowing <laughs> that that was the score of the game. It was and... three nothing at halftime. They were defending a lead going into the second half. <laughs> Might have been the first lead they had all year. It, was... uh, it, it seems. It seems like it. Um, that's incredible. Go Buffs. That's go. Yeah. Go. Go Colorado, man. <laughs> okay. Um, I bring to the table one of the craziest stories that I've seen this this week, maybe this, this year. There is a New York congressional candidate, Mike Itkiss, is his name, uh, and he announced his candidacy in a very open way. Um, so. 
One of his platforms that he's running on is sexual positivity. Uh, Mike Mike Itkiss is a, a Manhattan in, in the Manhattan Congressional District. And to announce his candidacy, he made and posted a porno in which he is all out there uh, with the, the actress Nicole Sage or Nikki Sage. It is real. It is on the hub. And it is the most insane thing that I th- I can think of a politician to do to announce their candidacy. I can't believe I didn't hear about this at all. I was like, you put, uh, you you had mentioned like, oh yeah, I'm going to talk. Okay, Canada comes out in a strange way. And I'm like, all right, maybe he's like in costume or something. Like, I really didn't want to look up the story. <laughs> Everything I, not a costume. <laughs> you could have given me a thousand guesses. Although, to be fair, that is actually a really smart strategic play from a, like, if that's one of your key stances, like that has been a big push over the last, I don't know, decade, maybe two decades is like in, in line with sex positivity is like also the no longer looking down on people in like adult films and things like that. It, so I, kind of smart play on his end, but, uh, and also politics is boring. So like spice it up, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like, you're, you're always looking for your message to stick with people. This will be burned into the heads of many who uh, choose to check out Mike Itkus's video. <laughs> well, and it's, how do you reach people that you can't otherwise reach? Right? Like, there's got to be a there's got to be a pretty large group in the United States, a pretty large population of people who don't care an ounce about local politics, but watch porn. And so maybe I don't know if it's a, if he can somehow do like targeted Facebook ads or something, whatever needs to happen. But you know, he's trying to hit a different audience. Is all. Now I just checked to see if the video was on there. I did not. Uh-huh. Uh-huh, partake uh-huh, uh-huh. in said video but i i would love if there was like super cuts right like just edited in in the middle of like political ads <laughs> oh see that's so smart it's like, that's so smart it's like it's, it's like, like <laughs> it's like you know it's like mike it, mike it kisses for our kids and it's like him like reading to kids in school I, that, that, that could be a little <laughs> That could be a little taste. Maybe keep the kids out of it. No, I was gonna say it's like the like the Better Call Saul commercials, like on the TV, where it's just like <laughs> Richard Mike Itkiss for for congressional candidate. And it's just him with the thumbs up, and then it cuts back to him in the action, plowing, just plowing, yeah, just just working. <laughs> My God, I just and these people make laws. These people make laws for us. No, 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 no. You've got it wrong. You don't want the same people that we've been picking because the people we've been picking are the people that everyone doesn't like. I say, if we're flipping it on its head, let's flip it on its head all the way. (laughs) This is a total, this isn't a left turn. This is like, just so I was going to say a, a double 180, but that would just be the same thing. It's like just a one 180, a triple 180. How about that? Okay. We're spinning, we're spinning again, and then we're spinning back again. And this like is like a where we are slide. Reverse, reverse, reverse. Yeah, yeah. I did a 540. Reverse. reverse. Put yeah. this in the X Games. Tony Hawk. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't think Mike Itkiss is doing a, a 560 uh, in, his, in his video, but uh, let's move on. To blank you very much. Uh, this is a, a a segment of the show where we give you, we give ourselves really a prompt, and we fill in the blank, and we start 
with uh, what I think to be pretty spicy news. Bill Belichick skipped Robert Kraft's wedding, which happened on Friday of this past week. He was not in attendance. So I ask, what is more football guy than Belichick skipping his boss's wedding? I, I got to go second or third. I, I have to still think of it. I, I thought about this. I couldn't think of one. So somebody else has got to take the lead here. I've got right. one. And okay. I think this one is near and dear to Tyler's heart because his uh, his former head coach, Jeff Brom, had one of the best football guy moments of all time when he was playing. I think in the CFL, he got his clock. XFL. XFL. Well, he got his clock cleaned and just got blasted. I think his helmet was turned around on his head. And uh, I think what's the quote, Tyler, am I still alive? And do I have a heartbeat? Is there a football game to play? (laughs) He goes, do I, do I have a pulse? Yes. Yes. Or is this, or is this not the XFL? Yes, it is. Let's play football. (laughs) That is a football guy right there, right? I think I still feel like that is more football guy than skipping a wedding. That's my answer. I mean, yeah, that's very. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. It's a great one. Um, football guy. All right, I, mine's not, not mine's not nearly as strong, and it's kind of what I thought of earlier. I, I think I don't know that it actually happens in practice. But I'm going to say running through a literal brick wall. If I ever saw a football player <laughs> literally run through a brick wall, because that's like he's got that run through a brick wall mentality. Like you talk about that all the time. I think if somebody were to ever question a football guy's football guyness and they just like did that, like tap themselves on the helmet and like charge up and just run headfirst into a brick wall. That's like maybe one of the few things that's more football guy than uh, Belichick not going to Kraft's wedding. Well, it's, it's like one of those old fantasy football commercials, right? Where it's like, here's why you should pick me. And they would like punch through a wall and catch, yeah, a football. catch the football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm next. <laughs> All right, Tyler, you're up. What's more football guy than skipping your, your, uh, your boss's wedding? It would definitely be, uh, I think it's just missing your own wedding. Like, I feel like there's no way to top this, but to just, yeah, I can't, I can't do it this week. I, I, I can't make it. Game, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're playing. No, I can't, can't, can't do it. It's like, uh, I, like, just let me know when I need to go say I do. I'll, I'll be there. I promise. And then I got to head out pretty quick. <laughs> or like skipping a child, like your first child's birth would be a good yeah. one. A runner up for me, and that's a great answer, but a runner up for me was if you if you caught the highlight, maybe on Twitter or or wherever, the Tennessee offensive lineman who puked like projectile vomited oh. and then gave the like the Alabama D lineman a, a nod and then stepped up to the line and went to work like that. That is that is almost the, like epitome of a football guy right there. That is, there has to be an element of like potential for self-injury. I feel like, <laughs> like, oh, you literally just threw up. No, nah, it doesn't matter. Like you, you might not have a pulse. You're already here. doesn't matter. Like that. That's the football guy thing, right? Is like health aside. What am I going to do to get back in the game? All right. That's a good one. Um, and then we'll move on to this one, which I think is a pretty, uh, a pretty fun topic. Blank is what Robbie Anderson said to St- Steve Wilkes to get kicked out of the game, kind of in the same spirit of the uh, Jordan Poole Draymond Green question that we asked last week. But if you're unaware, uh, Steve Wilkes is the interim head coach for the Carolina Panthers after Matt Rule got fired. And Robbie Anderson had something to say to Steve Wilkes during the game on Sunday against the Rams. 
Robbie Anderson was removed from the sideline. And today, Monday, he was traded to Arizona. So I'm curious what you guys think he said to Steve Wilkes. I think the Panthers have been uh, pretty rough this year. And I think Robbie Anderson has also been outspoken about his uh, lack of excitement when they originally were getting Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold, you know, has had his ups and downs. So I think Robbie Anderson said to Steve Wilkes, coach, I just want to win. And Steve Wilkes knew that that couldn't be done on the Carolina Panthers, but also knew that it was so bold to say to him that they sent him to Arizona where they're horrible. They've struggled. They're losing to teams they shouldn't be losing to. They have one receiver suspended. Another receiver maybe is out for the season. Kyler Murray doesn't know what's going on, except for that he can run the ball. And we skipped a second. And when double XP weekends are. And when the Call of Duty's, yeah, when Call of Duty's <laughs> popping off. But we did skip a little moment because I didn't need to get to it. But our Nathaniel Hackett Coach of the Week Award, I want to give in this segment to Cliff Kingsbury, who is this cool college coach who is successful and he's, you know, reunited with his quarterback and he's not good. He no. doesn't have any creativity in the play call. Arizona is horrendous in the first quarter when he controls the game script. Uh, and overall, they're just, they're not good at decision making on fourth down. They consistently fail to get fourth downs. I think they're averaging over the last couple weeks negative yardage on fourth down attempts. <laughs> so even though this was supposed to be a team that could be in the playoffs, they've been terrible. And I think Steve Wilkes, who did coach for one season in Arizona, he's acutely aware of that. And when Robbie Anderson said, coach, I want to win, he said, I know a place where I can send you. And they <laughs> shipped him off to Arizona. Well, and right, like he could he could feasibly be on the two teams that fire their coach midseason. <laughs> Like, I feel like, you know, like the meme of like the Reapers walking in the next door. Yes. Like, I feel like this is maybe Robert, Robbie Anderson's the Reaper and he's going into the Cliff Kingsbury door next. Like, it's 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 entirely possible that that is what happens. <laughs> uh, I take it a little different way. I, uh, I think what Robbie Anderson said to Steve Wilkes was, Coach, I ran this game on Madden last night. I can run this play. The, this whole game plan in my sleep <laughs> just absolutely tried to alpha alpha him out of his own play calling abilities on the on the field oh i so bad like let me play quarterback yeah. come on coach i got this one sends him a link to like a stream recording of like watch like i ran it through here this is our game film for the week <laughs> He was trying to show it to him on the iPad, like, look, look, we end up winning this game 34 to 30. Uh, he's doing it on one of those, like, free-to-download apps that is, like, just little cartoon football guys. And there's, like, two plays that you can run. Like, look, man, we win this game. <laughs> I like that. That's great. That's great. Um, I think what I think Robbie Anderson said to Steve Wilkes had to be something about his hair. Like, Coach, I'm thinking about making it all one big like lump <laughs> i'm thinking about putting it all together and seeing how that looks under a helmet like robbie anderson's hair is something that i just gen genuinely don't get i get twists i get dreads i get all that stuff i don't understand like i'm gonna grow my hair out and just let it mat is randomly and all over the place gonna mat he's got some of the craziest hair i think cam newton did it at one point where he had the uh the the, the similar hairstyle but it had to be something like I, I'm I'm thinking about doing something new or like I'm going to diet or something. I don't have a great answer for this, but he does. I remember the uh, and I actually I, I I always liked seeing in like the ESPN fantasy app or whichever fantasy thing I was on. If I click Robbie Anderson, he's got the fun haircut. I always thought that was a nice uh, 
little moment of joy for me to be like, oh, that's kind of a goofy looking haircut, but it's <laughs> it's cool, right? The, sure. the funniest thing I remember was seeing, I think it was on Twitter, a comp to the uh, old Nickelodeon logo. You know, the like this, the orange splat. Oh, the splat. Yeah. <laughs> it's like if you were to like silhouette it, it's just up and around. So, <laughs> or like, uh, what was the what was the doll from Rugrats? Oh, Cynthia. Cynthia. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a good call out too. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah no, that he did something though. He got he either wanted out and got out, or didn't want out and got forced out. But uh, yeah, Robbie Anderson, welcome to the Cardinals. <laughs> Uh, okay, and last one. With Dak coming back soon, what team will make a move to pick up Cooper Rush? Uh, all right, I got this. Is Unfortunately, it's going to require some explanation because it's a bit of inside humor. But to fill in the blank, I'm going to say Ryan Sartori's Dynasty Fantasy Football. Oh. <laughs> uh, we, we're, in a, we're in a fantasy league together, a Dynasty League, and over the last three weeks four weeks maybe all five weeks uh i've had at least one moment each week where ryan sartori comes to me and complains that his quarterback situation is a mess he's got matthew stafford who's been underperforming (laughs) and he's got zach wilson who has gone from hurt and maybe has potential to also underperforming and has no clear solution at quarterback so i think the only team that could stand to benefit from the addition of Cooper Rush is the only team I know that has nothing going for them at quarterback, and that's Ryan Sartori's fantasy team. Do you know how excited I got at the prospect of maybe maybe bringing back Taylor Heineke this afternoon? <laughs> oh, the practice squad guys are looking for the come up. Because Taylor Heineke was on my team last year and even got a couple starts. And I was like, oh, my God, he knows the system. He could come back and play. It'll be great. And I have Jahan Dotson. So, like, certainly things are going to be fine. I'll go get Heineke. No, I I mean, possibly, right? Like a backup quarterback at this point is probably better than playing Stafford or uh, Zach Wilson. And and Zach Wilson, I still believe in. I still hope that he pans out, uh, but is – Handing the ball off at an incredible pace lately. (laughs) I've never personally been in charge of a fantasy team where it's possible. If I were you right now, I would be looking at every week's schedule. When are the Titans going to get blown out next? Because it might be worth putting Malik Willis in my starting lineup for the like 10 snaps he gets at the end of the fourth quarter. Okay. Uh, uh, my answer to this question was nobody, right? Like, uh, I, man, <laughs> I love that it goes from you didn't think it could be anybody, and I thought the only person would be you. <laughs> I, oh. gen- gen- genuinely, genuinely speaking about the situation itself, like Rush has been in Dallas for a long time. He's he's proved that he knows the system at least enough mm-hmm. to right to, to he's proved that he can enough that he can be the guy in Dallas if he needs to if Dak gets injured again who and Dak is oft injured at this point um and truthfully I don't think he's good enough for somebody to be like let's go get Cooper Rush but he, he you know what if he's a free agent soon it's entirely possible that he ends up like Mike Glennon Jerry Jones also seems to like Cooper Rush which is a, that's a big thing I about I wonder why uh, I'm just that's another point on why maybe nobody will go get him is it's a good insurance type backup to have, but uh, nobody. I, I, I thought it was because white quarterback. I thought that was why Jerry. Jones oh, it could be. I don't know. He seems pretty protective of Dak too. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, 
All right, Tyler, give us like an actual team. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> I said the, the Colts would be most likely to pick him up to add to the, the infinite, infinity stone gauntlet that they have of failed quarterbacks. I think if you look back the past couple of years, uh, they have Nick Foles, Matt Ryan, uh, Carson Wentz, Philip Rivers, Brian Hoyer, Jacoby Brissett. I just say that with so much hookspa. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Hoyer. Uh, it's the Canadian in me, I guess. Um, but it's, I mean, I, th- I think what it, the Matt Ryan situation is not going to work out. And I don't think it's necessarily his fault, but I think to, to try to put a bandaid on their situation again, which they've been trying to do the past couple of years with just getting a Carson Wentz or a, uh, Matt Ryan or Nick Foles, even like I, I think they could see his success and be like, oh, well, you know, we could just plug him in here and he'll be OK. Um, but, but yeah, that's what I, I think the Colts. And on a serious note, I know you or guys send him to the commanders stuff. The, com- the commanders, the Carson Wentz, the command, uh, <laughs> the commanders are led by Carson Wentz. Former he's going player. to the IR. Yeah, he's out four to six oh, weeks. Finger, right? That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got, a, he's got a bad fingy. Or maybe uh, we'll get another rookie. Maybe uh, who? The Sam Howell, I think, is going to be their new backup. The future? Jeez. <laughs> I'm pissed God's at you, Jack. <laughs> All right, let's wrap up the show. We're running a little bit long. Let's hang a banner. And I will start just to get out of the way. Harrison Butker gets my my banner this week drilled a 62 yard field goal in one of the biggest games of the year after spending the the entire start of the season on injured reserve the guy comes through nails a gigantic kick and not only does that but like pulls off the Stephen Curry like turn around and give the three like it was if we're talking about bringing swag to the kicker position Harrison Butker just started a movement and maybe siphoned energy away from Justin Tucker, who's like number one and missed a field goal. So maybe that that, that spirit of like, ooh, uh, I'm the new guy. Like maybe Justin Tucker's yeah. on the way down. Justin Tucker, a lot of people forget he's a system kicker. Mm. <laughs> That's a good call. That's a good call. Uh, I Let's see. I think I have a Justin Tucker is on the Ravens, missed a field goal to the Giants, who won the game to go five and one who are the recipient of my banner, Brian Dabble, who actually has turned out to be a very good head coach. And the Giants are doing very well when they weren't supposed to be. And they also have a ton of injuries and a very influx offensive scheme. And he seems like a guy that everybody on the team likes. He's high energy. He makes pretty good decisions. Haven't seen him make too many blunders to this point. And I don't feel like it's that often where the big ticket free agent coach that everybody wants on their team actually ends up being really good. And right away, I feel like we've had more guys sort of mysteriously rise up like, oh, they're actually pretty good. Who would have known? But no, Dabble, I think, has done everything that a fan could hope for. And so I'm hanging my banner for him this week. One of the things that I've noticed about Brian Dabble, Dable, et cetera, is that uh, I haven't been able to say much about him. I haven't been able to say he's doing this wrong or that right or whatever. And I think that's a good thing. He hasn't gotten his own way. He hasn't um, impeded his team at all. His ego is not the thing at the center of it all. It is simply that he is coaching a team. They are performing well, and that's okay. He doesn't have to be 
flashy. He doesn't have to be uh, a guru or anything like that. He's just Brian Dable. And I think that's why the Giants are, are successful right now. Tyler, hang that banner, kid. Uh, my banner this week goes out to Brian Ellis. He is a offensive coordinator for Georgia Southern. Um, he told me a couple of years ago that I wasn't good enough to play at Western Kentucky. Oh, is this the asshole? Yeah. Uh, he, oh. told me, he told me I wasn't good enough to, that wasn't talented enough to play at Western Kentucky. Uh, I went on to play at Purdue, started every game. Um, he also was quoted in an article that I wasn't going to play professional football ever. So, um, and I started my first game this week. So I want to hang a banner to him, tell him, you know, just kind of big fuck you to him. Um, I really, wow. you know, it's, it, it, this has been something that, that has eaten away, eaten away at me every day since I saw it, since I heard him say those words. Um, and now I can kind of tell him to go sh- shove it up his own ass. This is going to be the preview for the episode this week. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't even like a, this isn't like a hanger banner. This is like a, your trophy wall now that you've got like, oh, this is another guy, like a doubter, a hater that proved me wrong. Like, oh man. <laughs> you know, yeah. what's more football guy than skipping your boss's wedding? This, 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 this monologue that Tyler <laughs> yes. just had. Thanking the guy who didn't believe in you is such a football guy move. They wrote you off, but you didn't write back. <laughs> Come First on. First of all, shout out all the haters who didn't think I could get here. Jeez, man. I'd like That's to so thank, strong. And I thought, I'd like to thank not only God, but also Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, man. Hell yeah. What's his name? Brian Ellis. He, Brian uh, Ellis. Unless you have a job for me, I'd... I'd <laughs> well, also, like, I mean, kind of shout out Brian Ellis. They did upset James Madison this weekend. So, yeah, he, it's good to know that he, he has moved on as well. He's doing all right, but not quite as all right as you are. Right. You're in the pros now. Yeah, he's still in. Yeah. He's still in. Uh, he's still in group of five. And my buddy Tyler has been to power five and now to the pros. So yeah, that guy yeah. can uh, yeah. kick rocks and die. Yeah. Yeah. Or punch a cactus. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Pound sand, buddy. Anyway, let's wrap up this episode uh, because it's it's that time. We should wrap up this episode. It's been been uh, been a long one. That's OK, because we had fun. And I think that we, as always, had some genuinely good conversations today, boys. As always, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hangin' Banners. You can follow the podcast on YouTube, on Spotify and also on Apple Podcasts. That's where you can listen and watch if you're a watcher. If you like to, you know, sit back, relax, and watch, maybe like uh, that it kiss fella, you know, you can uh, you can you can watch us too. All right, uh, we're out of here. See you guys. Okay, great. Thanks a lot for that look in sports, Brian. Yeah. And when we come back, we'll have one final look at weather. Stay tuned.